Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm your host, Chris. And today we have an exciting episode for you today because it's a topic that's been highly requested by our listeners. And it's definitely, you know, um, something that my terribly shy younger self wish she knew um, when she was younger. And that is how to be more articulate and speak confidently. So we are very lucky to have an exceptional expert guest with us, who is an international executive coach, communications trainer, and a neuroscientist. Through her online programs and speaking engagement, she has reached hundreds of thousands of people from all industries. She is also a podcaster and has a popular YouTube channel where she has videos where cumulatively has garnered over 5 million views and has been covered and, and featured in like Forbes and Nature, USA News, you name it. So I'm very honored to have our guest, Dr. Grace Lee. Hi, Grace. Good to see you again. Hello, Chris. It is my privilege to be here with you. Thank you for this. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I know we were just briefly chatting and we had a bit to connect. And I know we're going to learn a lot from you, from your expertise and what you do to help so many people in the area of career counseling, executive coaching, and, uh, you know, being able to speak articulately in whatever fashion. But when I was learning about you, Grace, and your humble beginnings, I actually found it truly inspiring and very, very fascinating. So for a, actually, I think you mentioned that you were introverted, fearful to talk to anybody besides your mother and to be doing what you are today. It's like, wow, how did someone like that like be speaking on stage and now coaching people how to, you know, articulate themselves, present themselves. So I think it would be really impactful if you can share your personal story a bit and how, how that shy, introverted child came to this path today to be doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for that question, Chris. I mean, I, I agree that sometimes if we dive into strategic conversations and, and tactical conversations, sometimes we miss out on how do I apply this to myself, right? So a lot of, I, I feel that a lot of times these personal stories and anecdotes are missing in conversations because we shy away from it, especially because they can be very painful or they can be very revealing and vulnerable as well, right? So I really appreciate that question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. My beginnings were quite humble. Until like the first years of my life, like zero to eight years old, everything was normal in terms of my perspective. My mother was my best friend. I didn't have a lot of friends in school. And I didn't feel that was a problem because I was best friends with my mother. Until when I was eight years old, what happened was that my immediate family, this is my parents and my older brother and myself, we were in, in a car accident. And there was a head-on collision. My mother was the one that was driving and she was in a coma, but she did passed away as a result of it. So trauma, traumatic head injuries, and she passed away. And I myself was the second most injured in that car accident. And I had injuries and I was in the hospital bedridden for a few months, for several months of that year. And that whole experience really was a game changer for me. Because prior to that, I actually didn't know my father. Even though he was living in the house, I didn't actually know him. So there was this process of really getting to know who is this person that I, by default, call father. Right In Chinese, I call him father. But I didn't really know him, know him. And we never had conversations. So then that was the beginnings of conversations I was having with him. And what happened was that I really discovered that more of who he was. But as a result of that, a year later, he remarried and he had a new wife, and they had a couple of children, two new daughters along the way. And at some point in in between that, my father came into my bedroom and he told me basically that he didn't have the bandwidth to take care of me. And so at the eyes of someone who's 10 years old at that time, hearing your only surviving parent tell you something like that, I didn't know how to process it. 
But one thing I knew for sure was that I was on my own and I was responsible for the rest of my life. And the weight of that on my shoulders was too much for me to carry. I didn't know what to do. So I left the house right? And I was on my own, but I didn't know I had no direction. And, and I didn't, and I was so ashamed of what happened that I didn't want to tell anybody what happened because I was afraid of what they might perceive of me. So my introversion grew even worse, right? Being in a community where I was the only minority, the only one with black hair, the only one that was non-Caucasian, I felt even more isolated. And my classmates didn't accept me for, you know, those reasons. So I felt even more isolated. I didn't have my mother as my best friend and and I didn't feel like I had those allies there. So I was even more ashamed to talk about what happened and to even admit what the facts of what happened. So I went into this really deep, deep loneliness mm. and also this thought that I couldn't possibly create a future for myself. And this happened for four years on my own, feeling this way, hopeless and everything. Until at one point, I came across this older couple, and it was a serendipitous meeting. They came into my life, and basically, they were very astute. They noticed that I needed a place to stay, and they asked me, well, do you need a place to stay? Why don't you come and live with us? So I followed them home. You know, I followed them home, and they gave me a place to stay, a sense of belonging. And it was in that moment, a couple of years later, when I was under their care, that's when I realized, and I, for the first time in my life, I realized, you know, I want to have a brighter future. I want to be able to provide myself and then give back to this couple. But I did the only thing I knew how. You know, we're programmed in society to believe that, you know, you got to get a good grades, do well in school so you can go to college. And then after you graduate from college, you get a safe and secure job. That was the yeah. only thing I knew. But here's the thing though, in that moment, it was do or die. It was do wow. or die. I either do this or I'm going to die here and I'm not going to survive. So I had that commitment, that situation in my mind where I had no choice but to succeed. I have no choice. I must do this. And so that's why when you're in this do or die moment, people are in this do or die moment, they tend to succeed. They tend to be resourceful. They're committed, right? And I had no excuses. There was no fallback plan. There was no backup plan. So I moved forward and I was able to get good grades and get a scholarship that go to my first degree. And this mentality of get good grades, get a safe and secure job, I carried it all the way throughout my young adulthood, all the way through to a PhD. <laughs> bachelor's, mm -hmm. master's, PhD, because I thought I got to get good grades. I got to go to yeah. school and I got to get a safe and secure job. So here I was and I still was unfulfilled. I didn't feel inspired. I was not motivated to do that, that type of work and research and in healthcare. I was not involved. I was not inspired by it and I couldn't figure mm -hmm. out why. So mm -hmm. I quit and I ended up working in corporate and it was the same thing. Okay, I have a safe and secure job. I have benefits, right? I have security. I have a paycheck coming in. I'm getting paid more than I was before. Why am I not satisfied? Why am I not inspired? Why am I not fulfilled? But in the process, I realized I was successful at achieving the next goals because of being able to communicate well, being able to advocate for myself well, and being able to articulate the value of what I have to bring. And so that got me to the next level. But the inspiration part of it was where I needed to have more self-awareness. Right? So this is where this was my journey in terms of starting my own business and helping others to achieve the same. Wow. And you hit, thank you so much for that. And it, you know, when you hear everything, as you just like beautifully shared with us, which is a very personal story, and it really just proves that, you know, despite everything is, you know, against us, that <laughs> it really shows that the power is in our hands to produce and direct and create the life that we want. But what it seems like for me, which is so fascinating about like who you are as a person, Dr. Grace, is that it seems like even at the age of 10, because you said at the very end, like it was your self-awareness, your, your ability to advocate for yourself. It seems like it was just in you, even at an age of 10, like you knew at that moment to make this decision for yourself. Um, do you think that was natural or it was because like you said, you were like kind of up against the wall, like do or die. 
So it's either a really bad situation I'm already in, or it just, it could only be better if I take this route. Yeah. I love that question. I really appreciate it. Because when it comes to life, right, there's a lot of messaging out there on social media, on the internet, right? Messaging that says you have it inside of you. It's there. It just needs to ignite or we just need to wake it up, right? There's a lot of messaging about that. But if you look at the science of it, look at the science of it. Oh, I love getting into the science of it. (laughs) Look at the science of it. In life, life gives you both. Life gives you duality. Life gives you dualism, which means that in life we have support and challenge. And in any given moment, we have support and challenge. We have advantages and disadvantages. We have positives and negatives. We have happiness and sadness. We have anger and elatement, right? In every given moment, life gives you both, but it's important to have both and it's unavoidable to have both, right? Because if you look at both, there is purposes for both, right? Mm-hmm. So then if you look, let's just look at challenge and support. Let's just look mm-hmm. at that because that's what we're talking about here. Challenges in life and having support in life. If you take an individual and let's say they have more support than challenge, what happens as a result of having more support is that more support causes an individual to become juvenilely dependent. We become dependent wow. with great, greater support. Right. right. Challenge so. is what causes individuals to become precociously independent. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not necessarily that we have it in us, but we do. Don't get me wrong, we do, but it's the environment that brings out certain sides. And we have both sides within us as well. We have the capability of being happy. We have capability of being sad. We have the capability of being depressed, but we have the capability of being empowered. We have all that capability within, but what brings one side more than the other? And so just keeping it on the discussion of challenge and support, a lot of times we wish to be supported. Naturally, yeah, we want nice. to be supported. Yeah. We want to be surrounded by people who support us. We want life to be uh, happy. Easy. We want life to be cushy. We want life to be supporting. Support, though, brings dependence. Mm-hmm. It's the challenge that brings independence. So then that's why at the end, at the essence of our souls, human souls, at the essence of who we are as people, as human, we want to be growing. We want to grow so that we can make a meaningful contribution. But if that's true, if that is genuinely true, then the only way to grow so that we can make a contribution is that we experience both challenge and support and not only one. Wow. That was so powerful. Like I've never actually heard of, heard it put that way, Grace. Like I've heard, you know, the cliche, how do you know if something feels good if you never if you never experienced the bad, you know, but your way of framing it and putting it, um, putting it in the way where you said life gives us duality, like also ordering chaos, right? And there's purpose for both. Like that was so, so powerful in just three simple words that really does make so much sense. And uh, um, on that note of challenge then, then, because of course, um, if the person is aware, conscious that this challenge can serve us for our good rather than being maybe um, in a victim mindset, can we actually hit on one core challenge or common challenge, I feel, related to this uh, topic that we're going to dive more into about speaking confidently. You also um, have shared that you experienced it with, and I believe it's a common fear, and that fear is public speaking. So I feel like, you know, correct me if you're wrong, uh, if I'm wrong, but um, if you want to start differently, but before you even get into the strategy also of, you know, and your tips, this is how you can be more articulate and speak more confidently. But what if, Grace, I am someone who is fearful of public speaking or just speaking up? So can we address those individuals who are still facing that fear first? That's a great question. And it is common. Like there's a lot of studies and statistics that show how common the fear of public speaking is, right? There was a saying, and I can't recall right now where that study came from, but the, the, as a result of it, the conclusion was that we're so afraid of public speaking that we would rather be in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy. Wow. Right? And that's, 
right? So the, that's how fearful it is. And it's one of the top fears. Yeah. We, we have fears of height, fear of snakes, fear of darkness, right? But public speaking is one of the top ones and it's quite common. But here's the thing about fears. Mm. Here's the thing about fears. There are real fears and there are imagined fears. Mm-hmm. Real fears are things like you're walking in a back alley at night and someone comes up and they're armed and they're pointing a gun or a weapon in your face. That's a real fear because mm-hmm. there's a threat to life. There's a threat to well-being. Or it could be you're walking in daylight in, in Tampa and all of a sudden the huge poisonous snake is in your path and they're hungry and you can tell they're hungry and they're aggressive. That's a real fear because there's a threat to life. There's a threat to well-being. But if you look at public speaking, speaking in front of somebody, there's no real threat to life. There's no real threat to well-being. Mm-hmm. But what happens in public speaking, and even before the event, even before we're getting up to speak to somebody, yeah. what happens is that we think about what might happen. We okay. think about things like, well, what if they reject yeah. me? What if they criticize me? What if I forget to say something and that's embarrassing? Or what if I say the wrong thing and that offends somebody? So we have all of these thoughts, even before we're going to open our mouths, even before we take the stage, we mm-hmm. have all these thoughts. And you see, that's important to realize. It's not that we fear public speaking. It's the anxiety that co- gets produced from the content of our minds when we think about it. Mm-hmm. It's the content of our thoughts, the stories that are going on in our head, the assumptions of what might happen and the visualizations of it. All of those things, the summation of it all represents the content in our minds. That is what produces the fear and anxiety, the content of our mind. There's no such a thing as fear of public speaking because public speaking is not harmful. Right? Right. Even if we got criticized, the criticism itself is not a threat to our well-being or our life. It's the thought that what's going to happen next? Am I going to lose that person? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my reputation? It's those thoughts that are the threat. So it's the fear of the content. But we can't possibly know it's going to come true. We assume it will. And so the content creates a certainty in our mind. And it's that content that creates fear. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And that content that we keep fixating, it starts mm-hmm. to cripple us, right? Because I feel like if you think of one bad thought, like, and then you create another scenario of like, well, then what if this happens? And then you just go into this downward spiral. And I totally agree with you. And and one of my motto is like, especially with PS younger self is to crush your fears because most of our fears is, is like you said, not life threatening at all, but so, so many of us let our fears that are not life threatening to hold us back in living truly the way we want because of all these made up, you know, possible scenarios in our head, but it's really just us and again, and our, our thoughts that we make up. And I really appreciate the work that you do, right? That, that you care so much that you're providing that content, right? When it comes to crushing our fears, the, the concern I have is that when we try to crush our fears, the expectation is that I want to get rid of fears. I don't want to fear, oh. feel fear again. I don't want to feel it again, right? And so if we set that expectation, it's unattainable. It's an unattainable goal to crush fears because it's unattainable to get rid of that part of us, mm-hmm. right? And the reason why is because fear, even fear itself serves a purpose, Yes, and we, like as, right, as individuals, we are capable of feeling the full range of human emotions, fear and anxiety included. So if we attempt to try to get rid of it and crush those things. It's going to be an unattainable mission because mm-hmm. the next time something happens, we feel fear again, and then we feel like we failed. Uh, right? You're right. Yeah. Right. So when we strive for an unattainable goal, it causes us a sense of failure and a sense of frustration or a sense of never being able to achieve it. And that could cause a spiral as well. So it's not about trying to, Uh yeah, it's not about trying to get rid of fear because getting rid of fear means we get to get, we have to get rid of a part of ourselves, which is not possible. Yes. Yes. It's not about getting rid of fear is becoming aware in that moment. What is the purpose of that fear? And the purpose of all emotions is to get us aware of who we are authentically. 
Uh-huh. That was so interesting. Thank you for putting it that way. And you're right. And I have also been um, sharing my thoughts on, like, you know, around like uh, toxic positivity when, you know, there's this, this idea that we should always be happy or um, not accept negativity. But to your point, I've been saying as human beings, we're supposed to feel all these emotions. So thank you for putting it that way that, you know, maybe I wasn't trying to put it that way, but maybe it came across with the, with the wording of crush, but it's more being aware and that like acute awareness again of our feelings or emotions or just where we are, I think is such a powerful tool in helping us to navigate to your point purpose for things. But, you know, mind you, messages like crushing our fear and getting rid of and conquering our fear is so captivating, though. It's so captivating. Mm. And the reason why is because innately we we think about what would a life be without fear? Wouldn't that be so powerful? If we never felt fearful again, never felt anxiety again, wouldn't that be a great life? It would see, be so powerful. So that's why these messages about conquering fear are so captivating and people gravitate towards it. And it's a great marketing strategy as well to put a message like that out there right but the problem with that the essence of it is that it's an unattainable goal to conquer fear once and for all to expect a life where you never feel that again is an unattainable goal and if we are on that path and wanting to achieve it we're always going to be feeling like we're not good enough. We're always going to be feel like we're doing something wrong. We're always going to feel like the goalpost can never be, we're never getting close to the goalpost, mm-hmm. right? And it's disempowering there, right? Disempowering. Mm-hmm. So it's not about getting rid of fear. It's not about a life without fear. It's the recognition that life gives you both. Challenge and support, fear and empowerment, depression and elation. Life gives you both because as individuals, we're capable of feeling the full range of emotions. And every single emotions is nothing more than a feedback mechanism for us to be able to step up and be authentic about it, to be real and authentic about it. Wow, you are so right. Thank you for that, putting it that way. And so now we've understand really when we are fearful of public speaking, we're not really fearful of public speaking. We're just creating, you know, we're fearful of the the doubts and the snares, the contents of our mind. So once we're aware of that and the purpose, then let's get into uh, more specifically the strategies um, that I know you have to help us understand you know, how can we then articulate ourselves better, Grace, or speak confidently? Let's first understand, I think they're two different. Like one could be very confident person, but they may not be articulate. Am I right? So can you help us maybe differentiate if there are, if there is a difference first? The difference between confidence and articulation, is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So confidence is certainty that I'm able to produce an outcome. That's when we feel confident. I have certainty that I'm empowered in this arena and I am, and I have certainty that when I go forward in it, I can produce a desirable outcome, a meaningful outcome. So that is confidence. Okay. Articulation is the skill and the ability to be able to vocalize thoughts and ideas inside of inside of us to the mm-hmm. external world so that the speaker can understand the meaning and extrapolate meaning out, out of it. So that's mm-hmm. articulation. Okay. Got it. Right. When it comes to which one comes first, the chicken or yes. the egg? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. All right. Because I kind of feel that's the essence of what you're asking. You, do you have exactly. to have one before you can? Mm-hmm. Right. So here's what I would say. When it comes to which one comes first, the chicken or the egg, articulation or confidence, I would say that they actually come at the same time. Okay. It's not that you have to be confident first to be able to articulate well. And it's not, and it, but the reverse could be true. It could be that you articulate well in an area. And then as a result of that reflection of that, you feel confident in yourself in that area, right? That could be true but it's not necessary to articulate well first in order to experience confidence. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to, well, then what do I do? 
Mm-hmm. If your journey is one of, I want to be more confident in front of people, if that's the journey you want to be on, then it's important to realize that the, at the root of confidence is understanding who you are and what your values are. Because if you have a high value, for example, on serving others, if you have a high value on science research, or you have a high value on savings and investing your money to grow your money, whatever the area that you have a high value on, you're going to notice that every single time you're going to have power and confidence in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because that is the path to confidence. Knowing what your truest self values are, knowing what's truly important to you, your purpose and your life mission. When you get on that mission and that journey, you choose that journey that is alignment with it. That's truly you, not some injected value, not some, not what people tell you you should do or what you're supposed to do, but what truly is from within. And if you follow that journey, it is your path to confidence. And the reason why is because you can't help it. You're inspired by that journey. You're going to do what it takes. You're going to be committed to it. You're going to be resourceful in it. You're going to be intrinsically motivated to follow through on it. If that is true, your true values, right? And so that gives you confidence. And as a result of that confidence, you're not going to break any promises to yourself because it's genuinely important and a high priority to you. You don't break any promises to yourself. So if you look at the word confidence, the root word of confidence is to confide. Confide is the root of confidence. Confide means you entrust. You trust to tell someone something vulnerable. So if we lack confidence, we lack self-confidence is because we've broken promises to ourselves many times, mm-hmm. right? We set goals, don't achieve them. We say we want to do something. We procrastinate on it. We say that this is important to us, but our life doesn't show that it's really that important, right? All of these things happen. And so we lose confidence because nothing I do seems to work because that's those, that's the symptom Nothing I do sends to work, right? Things aren't going my way. This is a symptom of the underlying cause. And that's why we lack confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so confidence mm-hmm. is that, the essence of that. Whereas articulation, if you're someone who wants to be on that journey, I want to be someone who's articulate. I want to be somebody who admires me, feels inspiration anytime I converse. You're going to notice that when it comes to your own articulation, wherever you are talking about topics, that are genuinely highest on your priority, you are articulate there automatically. Mm. Right? If a, for example, if a woman, if a mother, mm-hmm. her highest values in her life are her children. And she yes. absolutely is inspired by being a mother. And this is her, this is her zone of genius. Yes. You're going to notice that whenever you engage in a conversation with her about her kids, she's uh-huh. going to be articulate. Uh-huh. she's going to be articulate. She's going to be able to articulate ideas and advocate for her kids and talk about her, the way she raises her kids and so on. Those are the areas in which you're most articulate is the topics or the arenas in which it's truly your priority and which you value most. Wow. The tricky part, right? The tricky part comes in. What if I want to be articulate? I want to become more articulate, but this arena is new to me. Yes. Yes. What happens yeah. then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this arena is new to me or this area I am not it's not my highest values right now. I'm not really sure about it, but I want to be able to come, become articulate in that. Right? That's where it becomes tricky. Right? So the goal there is to understand that articulation is nothing more than one, the strategy of your message to match the audience. That's the first part. The second part is to be able to create content that is inspirational, insightful, and impactful. Mm-hmm. That's the second part. And the third part is self-governance. Okay. In the speak, which means governing our own emotions, governing our own reactions, so that in the moment when we are articulating, those things don't take over. Yeah. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. The, right? Because sometimes even when we're talking, those without in the absence of self-governance we can all of a sudden feel nervous or all of a sudden we can question their reaction towards us because of what we're seeing in their body language and without self-governance that takes over and that's all we can think about that's all we can see and we forget what we wanted to say next or our mind goes blank those are symptoms right those are all symptoms so those are the three things if you want to be if your journey is becoming articulate in an area that's new to you 
or in an area where it's not quite your highest values, but you know that's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was so incredible. And one of the, and it made, first of all, it made sense, of course, like when you said, if you know your content, like you become a subject matter expert in a certain area, of course, you're going to build more confidence. But what was really fascinating is when you really honed in on when you know your values and how it's, it's a priority to you, you just automatically become very confident in it when you get that example of like the mother exactly I didn't think about that and now it makes sense when you articulated it that way how um, many people in my life actually who've met me later in my life like after the age of 35 they actually find it very shocking too and ask me um, when I tell them I actually was also grace very painfully shy like, believe it or not, painfully shy to the point, I'm not making this up, that my mom had to make friends for me. I could not talk to guys, so I couldn't get a prom date. And my mom had to even get me a prom date. Like, I was that girl all the way up to, like, high school undergrad. So so people often ask me, like, how the heck were you painfully shy? And now that when you explain it in terms of, like, knowing your values, knowing, like, what your priorities are... It makes so much sense now because what I've been recently just been able to explain is I've just become extremely self-aware, understand my self-worth, like what I value, what my standards are, and just become very, I don't know, I, I, for me, I say unapologetically, like being able to to share that uh, this is who I am and just become very, very confident, like this is me. And now I'm on this path, especially because I've broken the mold and like you have felt that I was following this linear path of success that I feel like many of us in the Western society have been told that to be successful, go to college and then get a good job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Until I broke free of that. I'm like, this is not actually what's making me happy. And until I did the internal work, listened to myself, became sure who I was, I think that self-assurance that built my confidence and being very sure of like how to articulate myself. It made sense now (laughs) when you put it that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Having that clarity that you can reflect on. Mm -hmm. But I think that's such a powerful message, Grace, for you to share that with us and our listeners who, again, like instead of for people to think that it's not just like one tactic here, one tactic there that's going to automatically, you know, a snap of a finger make you speak confidently. No, it's really internal work. And even when you said, um, which I found really fascinating about um, point number three on self-governance and how that actually plays a key role in your ability to articulate yourself, being able to regulate your emotions. Like, wow, I didn't even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. But that's Again, self-work, it's not some little magic, you know, tactic. It's really self-work. And once you do that work, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like this, you know, being able to speak more confidently, being able to articulate yourself, maybe becomes more natural or it's part of that growth. I appreciate that. And I always say that success is an inside job. We think mm-hmm. that it's always tactical. We think that if I just have this magic ingredient, if I just get the right tips or tricks, right, yeah. and then I'm going to be successful. Right? But it's an inside job. It always starts there. It starts yes, from yes. inside out. Mm-hmm. And then because I can give you the strategies, I can give you all the tips and tricks, but none of those are going to work absent that inside work, absent that. right? So to your question, does it become natural later on? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. And that's one that I get a lot. A lot of mm-hmm. people ask me, does it then become natural? Here's the thing about naturalness. Everything is natural. Everything is natural. Whether or not you're fearful of public speaking, you get you hesitate and you are afraid to speak up, that was natural to you too. Right? Or whether or not your anxiety takes over in the moment and your thoughts go blank because you're so worried about what people think of you, that's natural too. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Or whether or not you are truly empowered and you speak up and you're unapologetic about it, that's natural too. So whatever it is in your behaviors from the standpoint of who you are right now, it is natural. We think that it's unnatural, so we try to fix ourselves. We oh. think that something's broken, so we try to fix ourselves. But the thing is, everything that you're doing right now from your current thoughts is going to be natural to you. So you naturally do it. If you've had a pattern of not speaking up, a pattern of being shy, a pattern of hesitating and being afraid of speaking out, that's what's natural. It is natural. No one has to remind you to do it. No one has to tell you that's what you're supposed to do. You're intrinsically motivated to act that way, to be shy and to to be silent and to hold, withdraw your thoughts. You're naturally inspired to do that. But if there's a calling inside of you to have to produce a different outcome, to behave differently, to change those patterns, if there's a calling inside of you, it begins with, well, what's my thought process going to be? What's the new thought process going to be? What are my new internal mechanisms going to be? It starts there, right? A lot of times, 99% of the time, people dive into, I need to create a new habit right away. And they start to create a new habit, right? They start to say, okay, I'm going to create a new habit. And they put it on their calendars. They write their to-do list. They journal out exactly the new habit they're going to create, right? So they start externally. But if the internals aren't aligned with what you want to achieve externally, what happens is that you produce the fruit on the outside from the seed that's in the inside, the fruit of your life, which is the outcomes that people see, the out, the results that you want to that you want to show. So that's the fruit we produce in our life. So the fruit that is produced comes from the seed on the inside. Okay. Everything reproduces after its own kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You have an apple seed. It's going to produce an apple tree and fruit of an apple. It's not going to produce any other fruit. It's not going to produce any other tree except an apple tree. So depending on the seeds that are on the inside. That's exactly the fruit that is going to produce in your life on the outside. Right? So success exactly. is an inside, yeah, it's an inside job. Mm-hmm. It's not about jumping into changing habits or the external stuff first. Yeah. Yeah. It's knowing what is that inspiration? What is the mission of the outcome I want to produce? But how do I ensure that this congruency, inside mm-hmm. out congruency, so that I can produce naturally the outcome I want to produce because you've been producing every, all for those of you listening right now, the outcomes you're producing in your life right now, all the results in your life right now, you've been producing them naturally. It is natural to you. Mm-hmm. It's natural. Mm-hmm. So if you want to produce a different outcome and it's, and you want that production of that new outcome to be sustainable, then it's like, okay, what's the seed on the inside got to be? Who do I have to be? Mm-hmm. And it, and it starts there. So yeah. that w- when that is aligned, when that is congruent, then any goal that you set, any habits that you want to change, there's congruency and it will become natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. And I feel like it, um, with so much content out there now, uh, it's just there's more focus on the external like execution <laughs> and, and tips and tricks that um, yes. that we think oh, if we just do that, but maybe it's also because to me, the internal work is so much harder. But once we do the internal work, maybe harder because there's, you know, trauma, some um, subconscious limiting beliefs, like all those things. That's just not an easy topic to face ourselves. So, but, you know, at, at least for me in my personal journey, once I, you know, tapped into and did the internal work, not only it, everything else on the external side, as you're, as you're saying, that I was pursuing just became exactly more natural and more at ease and more at flow, because I think maybe it allowed me, not maybe, I think for sure, it allowed it, me to be more crystal clear on back to what you were saying earlier, values, priorities, and then not spending the time on things that I know that didn't fit into my value systems or where I want to go with my purpose. So thank you for really underscoring again, the importance of 
doing the internal work first to align with your seed of your external fruits um, that is aligned with your purpose. So then once we've done that work, can you share maybe just top three effective ways, strategies, let's get to that, um, to help build our confidence in speaking and to articulate ourselves. I know I watch actually really, well, many of your videos, but one of the videos that I found really interesting around um, speaking more confidently were based around like some neuroscience. And as a neuroscientist, Mm -hmm. I found that really, really fascinating. So would you like to share maybe top three? That's a great question. I appreciate that. So absolutely. I like to talk about science as well, not just because that's my background, but usually science, there's truths inherent in it. So when it comes to becoming a confident speaker and you want to be able to articulate, I would say that it's important to step up first and foremost to become a bringer of truth, Mm. to be a bringer of truth. Okay. So what does that mean? Bringer of truth. To be able to bring truth to people, you have to be a truth seeker to seek truth. Because wouldn't you agree that when people hear the truth, they know it's true and they gravitate towards it. And there's a freeing emotion sensation when someone shares with you the truth. Because if you think about the truth, it is sustainable truth. I'm not talking about what's true. I'm talking about the truth. So what's true could be true today, but not true tomorrow. For example, what's true today is that right now I'm looking out my window and it's sunny outside, it's blue skies. That's what's true right now. But tomorrow that night might not be true anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm not, the, the, the thing about being a truth seeker and a truth bringer is not focusing on those temporarily what's happening right now, what is sensationalized right now. It's on what are the truths that are sustainable over time. So here's what I mean. Yeah. In society, in this world, especially on social media, mm-hmm. there is a huge emphasis on sensationalized information. Yes. Sensations. So for example, we need to get pumped up in the morning. We watch a motivational video. We get you know fast beats music and we have some celebrity talking, having a motivational speech and we get all pumped up. Right? Or we have to read some articles that go, you go get it, set goals. What are your financial goals this year? Whatever your financial goals this year, I want you to double it, double it. That's your new goal. And there's somebody pumping us up, right? And, and in that moment where we're exposed to that information, we get pumped up. We feel motivated. We feel, yeah, I'm going to change my life. Yeah, I'm going to make more money next year. Like we feel that way. But what happens is that, As soon as that moment is done, the exposure to that sensationalized information is over, it comes right back down to this medium, right back to the medium. And that inspiration we felt loses itself as throughout the course of the day. We fight with our partners, we have a difficult day at work, and then we lose that sense of inspiration. And yeah, and then at the end of the day, we're just so exhausted, we just want to get in front of Netflix and just veg out in front of the TV or to go on social media. like that. And that's a pattern, right? So that's what I mean. That one, If there's a focus to seek out the sensationalized information, mm-hmm. it's difficult to build that certainty of articulation. And the reason why is because now we are dependent on extrinsic motivation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Extrinsic. I need somebody to give me information. I need somebody to pump me up. I need somebody to help me to feel good about myself. Right. I need external validation. Otherwise, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm good enough. So to be a bringer of truth, we must first be a truth seeker. Let's not focus on sensational information. It's sensationalized. The truth is not sensationalized. The truth does not give you a boost of inspiration or a false sense of achievement. The truth is not sensational at all, but it moves us. Our soul, our core, it moves us. So when we seek truths in our life, the truth exposes a part of us that maybe we have not yet loved or maybe we have not yet embraced or exposes a part of us that we have not yet gotten to know. And that ignites your personal development journey. 
So can I just pause you right there? I mean, just so that it's really clear, even for me to understand the point about truth seekers. So uh, for example, then if we're, if I'm speaking on on a specific topic, it's rather than speaking about it from a, a very sensationalized way just to get people excited and pumped up, like you were giving the example of how a lot of the information really is kind of presented that way and packaged that way. So instead, really just hone in on sharing the truth, sharing the fact, sharing and whatever that topic may be, if you're, you're speaking about marketing or you're speak as a per, as a life coach, you're speaking about, you know, how to gain more, you know, self-esteem or something like that. Just really hone in on the truth and fact rather than trying to hype up and sensationalize the content. Or not. Focusing <laughs> on the truth and wisdoms. Wisdom. Okay. When people hear wisdom, they gravitate towards it. When people hear wisdom, it's not sensational. It doesn't produce a surge of endorphins or 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 mm. those mix of chemicals. It, it's not like sensationalism produces the surge of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. It's a surge of it, an injection of it. So that's why it feels so good. And we just want to stay there. Mm-hmm. And it produces the You're feeling right. of, I need more. And the next day I need it again. I need another shot of it, right? But truth and wisdom does not bring sensationalism but it sets you free. It sets you free. And sometimes, wouldn't you agree, the truth can be hard to hear. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes wisdom can be, be very difficult to hear as well. Definitely. Right? So those are the things, however, that truly change lives. The truth and those wisdoms, those are the things that can truly transform one's ability to articulate, we're back to that, articulate or have confidence or to achieve other goals. If it's not articulation, then it could be another goal too. If your goal is not to be articulate and your goal is to, to, to do something else, it is still on that same path, being a truth and a wisdom seeker. Right? So say, for example, the earlier topic we talked about, the fear of public speaking. What most people do is they seek out sensationalism around the fear of public speaking, which means they go and they look for content where there's a speaker, some celebrity or someone who's very well-spoken and they say things like, you can do it. You got to share your story because your short story is worthy of sharing, right? You people need to hear your story and people need to hear it unapologetically. Don't apologize for what you're about to share. Go out there and put it out there in the world, right? That's very sensationalized. And then they say, here's how you got to do it, right? Go onto social media, Instagram, put out a, a story every single day. And every single day, right, you may not get a lot of likes, but people will hear it. And then so they give you this, they paint this picture that's very sensationalized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they feel pumped up in that moment. But still, they go out and they need to go on a stage or they need to be in front of an audience. And that fear is still there. The anxiety is still there. So they might go through the motions of doing it, but it doesn't, it doesn't solve the core issue, the anxiety, the fear. It doesn't solve the core issue. It just helps them to force themselves or fake it till they make it or force themselves to go through the motion, the actions of speaking up and speaking out. Yeah. But it doesn't address the core issue. Right? Right. So that's what sensationalism does. The information, if you just look for information, the tips and tricks, often they are packaged in sensationalism. Right? But if you look for the wisdom behind it, the wisdom is what we talked about earlier. Here's the truth what fear of public speaking is. Here's the okay. truth about it. Okay. Right? And that is freeing. It gives people an aha, a breakthrough. It's freeing. Yes. yes, That's the difference. Okay. That was very clear. I get it now. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it was much more clear for our our listeners. Thank you. And that's super powerful. Would you like to share two more specific uh, effective strategies? Got it. Okay. So that was the first one. Mm -hmm. Be a bringer of truth, but that requires you to be a seeker of truth. That's the first strategy. Mm-hmm. Correct. The second strategy is to understand from the standpoint 
of who is your who are you going to speak in front of? Like you're going to be speaking in front of a certain audience or a particular person, whatever it might be, is to understand that whoever you're speaking in front of, they have their own set of priorities. They have their own values and what's important to them and what they're working towards. And you have your own as well. So get this, you have two people coming together in a conversation mm-hmm. and there's two people with very different priorities. Two people coming together with very different value systems. You use the word value systems. So I'm going to stay with that phrase. Two people with two very different value systems coming together. And those value systems may even clash. Sure. Because they're quite opposition. They're quite opposite. So they may even clash. So if you want to be able to articulate in ways that is received by your audience, one of the most important things for you to be able to do is to understand how you're able to articulate the fulfillment of their values. How can you be able to understand how you, how can you show and demonstrate through your communications, how you're going to help them fulfill their values, what's most important to them. And that is the second strategy. Wow. Again, very powerful. But what if you don't know the value system of your audience? Like, should we be, especially let's say it's someone's first opportunity to speak at a large, uh, in front of a large audience. You can't really poll all of them. How do we know? Cause that's really powerful and I get it. But what if they don't know, we don't know our audience's values. Okay. So there's a couple of different things. You, the example, you, the question you asked was, what if it's a large audience? Mm-hmm. So that's very different from if it's one or two people or five people in a room that you work with at, at your workplace. So that's very different. Yeah. So since you asked the question about what if it's a whole audience, then I'll address that one, right? That, that's the question you asked. If it's a whole audience. So let's say, for example, I'm right here on your podcast, PS Younger Self, mm-hmm. and you have an audience of listeners. Yes. So those of you who are listening to this recording right now, you are the audience right now. And I don't know you. And I don't know what the future audience is going to be because people can be tuning in at any time. Exactly. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I do know from Chris, your proposition, let's do a podcast together. Here's the focus of what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And from that, I can delineate what the values are. Mm -hmm. I can delineate what the values are because you've shared with me before we agreed to have this conversation today. You shared with me, "This this is who are my listeners on my podcast. And here are the previous topics that I've talked about. And here's what I would like to talk about because I get this question a lot. This is a common question from my listeners. So I can delineate what the values are. Now, that does not mean that it's 100% correct. Exactly. So some of you might be listening to this and maybe 10 minutes in, you decide, eh, I'm not interested and you, you click stop on it. Right? So it's never going to be, if it's an audience like that, you're not going to have 100% it's not going to be 100%, especially if you're speaking to a large audience. You can't, it's, it's, you can't expect 100% coherence, right? However, however, there's even though it's not 100% coherent, if you will go back to being a bringer of truths and a truth seeker, even though I may not be 100% dead on and nailed it with what your values or your listeners' values are, they can still be able to extrapolate something very valuable from it. So that's why it feeds back to the first strategy. For sure. Thank you. That makes sense. Okay. Really powerful stuff. Okay. So then for the last dev strategy. Got it. What would you say that would be? Okay. First one, be a bringer of truth. And that requires you to be a singer, a, a seeker of truth. Second one is to be able to be able to align the other person's value, your audience's values with your own and articulate in accordance with theirs. Mm -hmm. And the third value is to be able to speak from a principles or a wisdom level. And that'll bring you more confidence and articulation. Here's why. I would say that with respects to content, what you Mm -hmm. say is your content, right? We agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. Your message is your content. The Mm -hmm. stuff that you say is your content. Mm -hmm. And with respects to content, you have three layers to your content. Mm -hmm. The first layer is you can be very tactical. 
Here's what yeah. you do. Step one, you do this. When, have you done that yet? Okay, step two, here's what you do. You can be very tactical. That's the first layer. That is the bottom layer. It's the least valuable layer. Being tactical right. and tips and tricks fall under tactics, right? Tips and tricks, information, that falls under tactic. It's actually the lowest value. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's the lowest value is the lowest value of speaking. It's also the lowest way of learning as well, lowest value. And the reason why is because when it comes to information, tips and tricks and tactics, they don't always work, right? It mm-hmm. depends on the time. It depends on the situation. It depends on so many different things. So then if I'm only looking for tips and tricks, and if I only share tips and tricks, then I'm operating at a very low level of value. And I'm, and I'm definitely, there's a very uh-huh. narrow window of who I can help. Uh-huh, right? it's, very it's, very, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. That's why when you hear people give tips and tricks, right, it's, it's generally not very helpful. They're like, okay, I tried it, but it's not working. I don't know what to do. And they can't, they can't be independent of thought because they just got a tip and a trick from you. Right? So that's the first layer. The second layer above that now are strategies. You got these strategies. Strat being strategic is a one step higher in values because strategic is what tells you when to use what tactics mm-hmm. and why. Right, you, when it, okay. you, now you know when to apply certain tactics or tips mm-hmm. and tricks because you have strategy. So you're mm-hmm. think about it. You're you're like in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Right, you're about to board a helicopter. Before you board that helicopter, you can only see what's immediately in front of you in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. You don't know what your enemies are doing in the battlefield. You get in that helicopter. The helicopter rises, you know, ten feet in the air. Oh, now you have a better picture of how what the battlefield looks like. Right, so that now you're you can be more strategic and you can know when to apply certain strategies because you can see. Okay, there's here's what the battlefield is doing over here, and here's what it's doing over there because you're a little bit higher up now. The standpoint, the platform on which you stand is higher. So the value that you give can be higher too. Uh-huh. Right, so there, so strategies elevates your level of learning and your, your level of giving. It elevates it. Mm-hmm. But there's one layer higher than that. Ah. And that's from a wisdom perspective. Uh-huh. Sharing your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the highest level of learning and it's the highest level of giving. And when you share wisdom, you're not creating greater dependence on you. You're helping your audience be dependent, independent, precociously independent, so that now they not only know when to apply certain tips and tricks and tactics, but they know why things work and why things happen the way they do. Oh, so the why is tied to the wisdom. I wanted to interject and say why also in the strategy level, but you're saying really the why is from the wisdom level. You can't answer questions you can't answer why questions without having some wisdom in that area you're right yeah yeah so from a neuro i'm a neuroscientist i have wisdom in that arena of human behavior so that's why i can answer questions pertaining to why did they respond that way Mm -hmm. why do people why are people afraid of public speaking Right. So that's behave. Mm-hmm. That's a behavioral question. Why do we fear public speaking? Why do people hesitate to speak up? That's a why question. And I have the wisdom. You can't address why questions right. without having the wisdom behind it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, yes, exactly. very clear, <laughs> very clear. Beautiful. Such incredibly wise. (laughs) Thank you. And it's really, and and hearing from you, it's, it doesn't feel like tips because it doesn't feel like you're just giving tactics. Really, it's coming from your wisdom, your expertise and, and uh, empowering our individuals that it's within us after doing the internal work and understanding, you know, there are different layers to developing and fostering your level of confidence in speaking and articulation. So thank you so much for sharing that. Actually, one last piece. I know we don't have too much time, but where does Grace nonverbal communication play into all of this and speaking confidently, articulating ourselves. Because isn't it something like 60% somewhere around there that our communication is nonverbal? So is that something we can work on ourselves? Does that also come come with when we start doing the internal work? Where does nonverbal communication play? 
Great question. So you're right. You think about it like, like Pareto's principle, 80-20, right? 80%, right? 20% of it is the actual words that are spoken, that mm-hmm. are actually articulated. That's 20% of it. And the 80% is, all, is the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And most people associate nonverbal communication is just body language. They just think, oh, it's body yeah. language. But exactly. it's so much more than that. I get it. Body language is your gestures, the way you're standing in front of somebody. It's facial expression. I get it. That's included too, but it's not just body language. Nonverbal communication also includes the energy that you show up with, that people can sense. It's palpable, the energy in which you show up. Your presence, that's energetic as well. Your clarity on your purpose and mission, that's spiritual. What people sense that from you, that, that, that clarity is sense. People can sense it, right? Because from our spiritual selves, we can sense these things from another person. So it's how you show up. It's, it's that energetic projection. It's the certainty of, of yourself and the mission that you're moving forward with. It's your, it's your ability to have a definite plan as well. It influences how you show up. Your finances as well. If you have your finances together, if you're able to provide for yourself and protect your loved ones, you come with a certain certainty around that as well. So there's so many aspects of our life that influence our nonverbal communications. It's a lot more than just body language. And certainly, it's also your voice. We think of nonverbal communication as nothing to do with your voice. But yes, it has a lot to do with your voice as well. Nonverbal communication also involves the sounds that your voice makes, but they're not, they're not the words spoken. It's in how you say the words. Okay. What do you mean by that? So here's what I mean by that. Now, let me give you a concrete example. I'm going to pick a sentence. I'm I'm going to say it two different ways. Mm -hmm. And the way I say this sentence is going to take on completely different meanings. Okay. Okay. So get, so the phrase that I'm going to pick is, I didn't say that your website is ugly. Like I went to, let's say I went to your website and, and I'm, I'm going to say, I didn't say that your website is ugly. Right. So now I'm going to say that phrase in a different way and it's going to have a completely different meaning. Okay. First way of seeing it. I didn't say your website was ugly. Mm-hmm. Second way of seeing it. I didn't say your website was ugly. Two very different meanings. If I said, right, if I said it the first way, I didn't say your website was ugly. It could mean that I'm thinking it. It yeah. could mean that I have it. I, I'm, I just didn't say it, but I'm thinking it. Yeah. But if I said, I didn't say your website was ugly. Yeah. So then, okay, if it's not your website, what did I say was ugly? Did I say something else was ugly then? Right. So that's nonverbal communication. It's how you say certain things. It conveys meanings. It conveys interpretation. It conveys intention. It conveys your ability to build rapport and build trust as well. So that's all nonverbal too, just the sounds your voice produces. Wow. 20% is just the spoken word, the word choice itself. That's the 20%. Mm-hmm. The 80% is all of those other things that I just mentioned. Wow. Right? And it's possible. I mean, think about nonverbal, how deep it goes. Nonverbal could be, I wake up in one morning, let's say you have a fight with your partner, you show up at work after that argument, you're going to be a little bit off, right? Because you're still reeling from that argument with your partner, you show up at work, and people are going to know something's off with you. What's what's the matter, right? Your energy, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or maybe you might be a little bit more snappy at other people, or maybe you're short with somebody else, or maybe you're trying to keep people out away because you don't want them to ask you personal questions, but they sense it, and that's nonverbal communication too. So it's it it runs very deep. Wow, I did not realize that, and that's so incredible. That for thank you for diving deeper into it and helping us understand it's so much more than just you know, our physical way that we're moving our body and things like that. And especially the energy and the spirituality aspect of it really, again, like I didn't even think about that, even though we talk a lot about like, you know, her energy or his energy was just so like, I can't even put my finger on it. Like it was just so charismatic or whatever, but I feel like speaking on like someone's energy and spirituality that's tied into the nonverbal again, ties more deep into again, that internal work like when you do it your energy and that is one of the most powerful ways i think we can just 
influence and have an impact and an impression on someone without saying those words, that energy that you just bring in. So thank you. I mean, let's talk about the consequences if you don't get that part of it. The consequences, Mm -hmm. let's say you're somebody who is a sales professional. And you need to be able to close deals. I have a lot of clients who work in private banking and they need to be able to work with high net worth individuals. They need to be able to close deals or to get new clients. So let's say, for example, that's your career and that's who you work for a company that is expecting you to close deals to get clients. But on the personal side of things, let's say you don't have your finances straight, right? And maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck. If that's you, then there's a lot of concerns about money and you have a lot of frugality about money, a lot of anxiety about money. That's going to affect the way you show up and close those deals. Because maybe like it's going to affect it. Maybe in that moment, you feel a bit more desperate because I need to close that deal. If not, I don't get to eat. My family doesn't get to be, get oh. fed. And that anxiety, now you show up in that sales conversation and maybe you're a little bit more pushy now. Maybe you're a little bit more of a hard sell. It totally affects the nonverbal communication. Wow. Yes. So, so true. Wow. I feel like I can ask you a gazillion more questions, but I think to really stay focused here, I will um, wrap that part of the conversation, which I feel was truly, truly just like a wealth of knowledge and pure wisdom. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, One of my favorite questions to ask my incredible guests is tied to the title of my podcast. So if you can go back to your younger self, Grace, that little girl anywhere in her age should just pass on one piece of wisdom. Seems like you're always quite wise, but to remind her to live in the present moment and on her terms, is there something you would like to pass on to her? Yes, there is. And it's aligned with what we talked about in the past hour. And that piece of wisdom, if I can say it in one sentence, it would be like this. It would be like growth and contribution is achieved when you experience both equal pairs of opposites, mm. challenge and support, positives and negatives, happiness and sadness, and so on. Wow. And that's what I would say. That is powerful, pure wisdom. Thank you so much, Grace, Dr. Grace, for all this information um, that I know is going to be really helpful for our listeners. So on that note, can you please share with us where they can find you if um, they want to watch more on your YouTube, actually get into some of your programs and any of that, all of that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The best place to find me is on YouTube. So my channel is addressed Dr. Gracely. It's I'm so searchable on the internet. You can Google Dr. Gracely and all of my social media will pop up. You know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on TikTok, I'm on YouTube, right? I'm on Facebook. So, but the the biggest, the most of my content, the videos will be on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody who wants to level up your, your communication. You're somebody who wants to have that clarity of purpose and mission and somebody who wants to develop that intrinsic confidence. Then there's opportunities on my YouTube videos to have a discovery call with me and my team to really explore whether or not it's the right fit and for us to work together. And if so, then you can join a community of people from all around the world who are in my classes, who are in my trainings and my coaching programs to help you develop your communication skills and that self-governance. Incredible. Thank you so much again. Thank you for being a true seeker and inspiring us to, you know, be that on our own as well too, and share more wisdom that we all, you know, experience on our own. Thank you again, Grace. My absolute pleasure. And thank you for doing what you do as well, Chris. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.